one of the comments that was made when I first joined was it's really strange to see a ponytail coming out the back of a helmet and it's such a strange thing to get excited about but I looked around and there was four ponytails coming out of the back of the helmets and I thought wow <laughs> how far we've come even though it's such a strange thing to fixate on I thought this is this is really exciting. <laughs> I'm Anna Hesloff and I'm the first female helm in Colourcourt's RNLI's 170 year history. I joined the RNLI when I was 17 and I had no idea what the RNLI was. I didn't even know that it existed. And I was walking my dogs, Merlin and Ralphie, along the seafront and a young lad jumped into the sea. And when he jumped in, he was swept away straight away. And the only thing I knew was don't go in after him. My, my mom's voice was shouting in my head, do not go in the sea after him. So I ran around the promenade, got a life ring, threw that in and called 999 and asked for the Coast Guard, although I didn't know who to ask for. I originally asked for the sea police and the, they asked for the lifeboat to come and the lifeboat came around from Colourcoats, picked him up and saved his life. So I got to get front row seats for that and I got invited down to the station afterwards just as a thank you to come around and see some of the work that they did. And when they, they were showing me around, they said, the, the lads, the guys, the men. And I said, do you have any women? And they said no. So I decided to join up there and then and make sure they had a woman on the crew. Now, in the early days, I was I was the only woman and we had 29 men, I think, at the time. So I was only 17. It was like having a lot of big brothers uh, and getting immersed in that world was quite interesting. I come from quite a female heavy family. I've got my, my grandpa and my uncle John, but other than that, we've got my grand, my sister, my mom. So I wasn't used to being around a, a big bunch of lads, but they, they welcomed me in and and I had to, to grow up and get a little bit tougher on the edges to make sure that I could fit in and do all my training but it was really good fun right from the start and I just was hooked from day one. We'd had some women involved before um, who'd been family members but they they hadn't stayed for very long. We'd never had somebody who'd stayed beyond I think it was two years at the time um, and everyone who had been had been related in some way so I was a bit of a stranger really because I didn't know anybody when I'd come down and got involved but I didn't realise the the significance of when I stayed a little bit longer, how big it was actually to for my journey to be taking place, and um, for me to be going on to be fully trained crew, and then to be there, there beyond two years, and then eventually to become the first female helm in in a history that had been going on for so long. It was quite a quite an incredible journey because that wasn't my aim when I set out, but then it was quite nice to have it written in in the history books for the station. When I first joined, I was the only woman and there was 29 men, around about 29 men. And now I think we've got nine women involved in the station. So we've got, my mom actually is now life operations manager. So we've got three generations involved. We've got myself, my mom and my gran, but we all did it in reverse order. So we've done the generations the wrong way around. Um, but my mom's now life operations manager. We've got Kim, who's our launch authority. And then we've got um, people who've joined as boat crew, some as shore crew. Our photographer, Helen, she's she's involved as well. And she does the water safety side. 
Um, we've got a, a fantastic group of people and now my partner Jane's also joined the crew as well. So it's it's growing all the, t- all the time um, and it's fantastic to see. So in December 2022, we launched with the first all-female crew from Colour Coats. Um, so we had the four of us that went out on a training exercise and it just happened completely by accident. Uh, we had the ability to do it for about three months because there was enough of us trained, but we hadn't wanted to to do it and make a spectacle of it. We just wanted it to happen naturally and it did on a, a nice snowy Sunday morning in December. And we launched initially to do an ashes scattering and the lady whose ashes we scattered, their family was really happy that it was the, the first all-female crew from the station and they were really excited to to, to be a part of that. Um, so we did an ashes scattering and then went and did a, an exercise. And for me, I remember looking around and one of the comments that was made when I first joined was, it's really strange to see a ponytail coming out the back of a helmet. And it's such a strange thing to get excited about. But I looked around and there was four ponytails coming out of the back of the helmets. And I thought, wow, <laughs> how far we've come, even though it's such a strange thing to fixate on. I thought this is this is really exciting. <laughs> when I initially started out, that wasn't my my aim to be a, an influencer. I wanted to make sure there was there was women involved. But I don't like the limelight as much as people might think. Are you sure? Because I'll talk as much as I can about the R line, try and promote the work and the work of women in SAR. But I really love to see the impact that it has. So when I went out on my first ever shout as a helm, it was quite a sunny day. And when I came back up the beach with the boat, there was a little girl standing on the beach. I didn't know her. I had no idea who she was. And she <laughs> stood next to her parents and she said, oh, oh my goodness, the captain's a woman. And she started screaming and cheering and uh, friends joined in. And then before long, the entire beach was applauding. And I was absolutely mortified. But I thought how lovely for that little girl to to see that the captain is a woman and she can see that that's possible. She lives at the coast. I got speaking to her family afterwards and she's really keen to be involved when she's older. And I thought it's, it's really nice to to know that they there is a place for them as well they can they can see it um and we have spoken a little bit about it when it comes to like the lionesses and football and all these little girls who are now interested in football because they know what pathway is available to them and it's it's visible for them they know it's possible not long before the covid pandemic started we got called out to what we thought was a a tidal cutoff which around here we've got a few places people can get cut off by the tide um and they're they're usually relatively routine jobs in comparison to to some of the other shouts that we get and initially we thought we were getting called out to a tidal cutoff and when we were halfway there we got told by the coast guard that actually it was half a tidal cutoff the casualties were there included a, a nine-day-old baby that wasn't breathing or was struggling to breathe. And people have often asked me what my scariest shout was. And I've been out in some some really horrible weather and had waves and wind and all sorts of conditions coming at me where I was scared. But 
that was the scariest shout by far walking towards a mother who was in such desperate need of our help and handed me this child that was the size of about a loaf of bread and we had to help them and that was that was really scary because you're thinking right rely on training what do we need to do what's the the correct process for casualty care here and we did everything that we were supposed to do we really leaned lead back on that training the crew that I had with me were absolutely fantastic and we managed to to look after that that child and keep them on oxygen and monitor them for half an hour until the the ambulance could could come and get through the get across the causeway and and help us but it was probably the longest half an hour of my life so that baby is now just about to approach their fourth birthday and actually, I did a, a talk last year and I did it for a legacy event. So people who would like to leave money in their in their wills. And I, I spoke about the, the the job to the baby. And when I was speaking, everyone was, was so quiet. You could hear a pin drop in the room because it's quite a, a powerful story to tell. And everyone listened so so beautifully. And then at the very end, there was a lady at the, at the very back of the room and she put her hand up. And she said, I just want to add a little bit onto your story. She said, I'm the, the godmother of the mother of the child. And they've just had their, their third birthday and the family's doing really, really well. And I want to thank you for everything that you did that day. And even, even <laughs> telling that now I'm getting a little bit choked up a bit because you don't normally hear about what happens to the, the families afterwards. Sometimes you you maybe get the initial update of if they're alive or not that might be all we get but to hear from the godparent and hear the impact that it's had on the family that's that's really special to be able to get that um extra knowledge and know that you've made that difference the rnli means absolutely everything to me i think i've come across some amazing people and so many humans that i know if you cut them in half you can see blue and orange and their, their lifeboats through and through or their lifeguards through and through. It's one of those charities that I didn't know it existed until I, I became a part of it and it just came across my life by accident. I just happened across it on that day. If I'd not been there in that moment, would my life have taken this turn? But I think that was meant to happen for a reason because now it's, it's my career, it's my voluntary life, it's my family that is so involved in it as well. I've got family who are actually family and family who are crew up and down the country, across the UK, across Ireland. It's really hard to summarise it because it's just such a special thing to be a part of. And I've had so many opportunities. I've learned so much and I can't give enough back to say thank you for how much the charity and the people in it have given me. Hello, it's Mark Pusey here. I'm crew at Chiswick on the Thames. If you want to hear more stories from the RNLI's 200 Voices collection, then head to rnli.org slash 200 voices or subscribe to the RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening.
200 Voices is an adventurous audio limited production for the RNLI.